And this is Rational Hour, yeah. Is it Rational? Yeah. I'm in the game when it's crunch time. Yeah. I call the play like the coach do. Tell them boys they can't touch my leap. example the way I'm supposed to. I got more reason a little bit, a little more than a lot. Only compare me to Bill, a better you feel. I'm sick of the skills. All I'm perfecting, I put them all on blast. Rational Hour, it's more than a podcast. Follow on Twitter, get done with the move. It's Friday night, and this is how we do it. Let's keep it objective, I'm talking statistics. Executive none, we're ethic ridiculous. I'm on a job, grind the pine. Wash King, while I'm still in my prime. Prime time when I'm on live, I just intercepted another bag. Homegrown, like a month apart, ain't hard to tell you a bad man. The game plans like a suspect. Get your coach's death, you do better. If you knew better, you do better. We're in a winning streak, we ain't losing. Never, never, never. And this is Rational Hour. Home run like a month apart, ain't hard to tell you, Batman. Said this is Rational Hour. If you knew better, you do better. We in a winning streak, we ain't losing, never. Welcome to the Rational Hour, Ryan. On today's show, we have a pioneer in the league, in the building. One of the best assistant coaches of all time. Please help me welcome, give a big Rational Hour welcome to coach Terry Rabisky. How you doing, sir? Man, I'm doing good, Ryan. I'm doing good. I'm happy to join you. I'm happy to be on the show with you. And uh, I've been looking forward to it. So I'm excited about it. And I'm uh, I'm just happy to be a part of your program, man. I really am. Thank you, man. Coach Rabisky has been in the game for 40 plus years, man. Putting in the work with the Shield. Five years as a player. Man, a great career at LSU as well. Now, Coach, we're going to just start it off, man. I just want your opinion on a few things that's currently kind of happening around the league. First one on the docket, OBJ, man, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, one of the great receivers in the game uh, early in his career, been kind of fizzled around a little bit. Uh, he spurned some some teams like Green Bay and New Orleans and, and the Patriots. Was it the right decision for him to sign in L.A. and, and further his career with the Rams? Well, you know, I mean, that's a tough call for me to, you know, because I'm not really wearing OJ's shoes. I mean, you know, OB, listen, he OBJ is a hell of a football player, man. I mean, he's a hell of a player. The guy could help anybody. You know, he could help anybody. Um, the thing I would say, you know, is I like what I like about the decision he made. I think today, uh, today it's a very solid place for him. Uh, you know, let's, let's say this. Let's start off with this. You know, he went to New York. Uh, uh, and that's my homeboy. He's from LSU. That's from my alma mater. So he mm. went to New York. When he was in New York, he was he was he was OBJ. He was the man. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, he left out of New York. He went to New York. I think with black hair. He come out blonde. So you know he had a hell of a change. <laughs> you know he had a hell of a change. Now, let's just let's just put that part. Let's put that part out front. Now, where do you wear blonde hair best? Is it in New York? Mm. Then Green Bay? Oh, no, no, no. New York. Then New Orleans? No, no, no. New York, L.A., oh, boy, that makes sense. You know what I mean? That makes sense. You know what I mean? So he had to get that thing that fit him, that fit his personality, the city, the town. Uh, you know what I like about the decision? I like the decision that he came to Los Angeles where they already got a guy here named LeBron James. And him and LeBron mm. are buddies. They're boys. Let LeBron – LeBron's going to have all of this one side of Los Angeles. He could take the other side. You know, LeBron mm. could take LeBron could take Beverly Hills OBJ going to take Hollywood, you know what I mean? So the decision to me was a good decision for him. Uh, I'm a little nervous, and if I was in his shoe, I'd be a little nervous about going to Green Bay, not knowing what's going on with Aaron, not knowing if Aaron Rodgers is going to be there next year or not, not knowing that whole situation, the the unsettlement of all that stuff going on with 
with Aaron, that would have bothered me a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing, again, out in New Orleans, those guys, you know, Drew retired. They're not quite sure yet, you know, what they, what's going to happen with that situation. You know, J Jameson is, is down and out, you know. So, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. It might take them a minute or two to get a quarterback, you know what I mean? I think the closest opportunity he had that was fresh was to come out to L.A., uh, start his Hollywood career, but at the same time, let's get off on the right foot on the right track. Let's go win a Super Bowl, you know, because that's yeah. what it's all about, you know. And I think that uh, I, I tell you this, you know, if if the Rams was maybe they would pick seven or eight a night before him, uh, this got to be this got to be moving them up into that number two, number three spot uh, for one of the top two, three teams this year for going to the Super Bowl. So I think he gave himself the best opportunity out there to get to a Super Bowl this year let's go for the 2021 yeah. season let's go let's go play in los angeles now listen that's another factor too now is imagine this now imagine uh obj on the sideline sofi stadium super bowl in los angeles california the world's gonna go crazy the world will go right. crazy with it you know what i mean now coach recently the tragedy with with henry ruggs man uh, you know just the lost life of uh the young lady uh -huh. and, and her dog um, I really want to talk to you about this because this is something as me as a Raider fan, it really, you know, touched me just with the, the, the tragedy of the situation with the young lady that lost her life is, is mm -hmm. one thing. And then uh, having a pro team in Vegas, um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, is that a good or bad thing? I was really worried about it when Mark Davis initially did this and moved the team to Vegas right. just because of, you know, this is it's so Vegas is such a party town. You right. got a young young man that's twenty years old with millions of dollars. Right. Could right. be a combination. That's trouble. Um, right. What are your thoughts on the situation? And is that do you think that it was the right move for the team relocating to Vegas? Well, let me say this to you. Uh, that is a very tough and a, a tough situation, and it's a very touchy situation. You know. Yeah. Uh, I think the big thing about that is first and foremost is you know my heart bleeds for and uh, bleed for the young lady and her family. You know, and you know at at, at the end of the day, my heart bleeds and I cry. You know, for Rudd, you know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, it's a tough thing, man. It's a First of all, it's a tough thing to hit somebody, uh, to drive like he was driving, to have an accident, to, to hit somebody, and to injure, you know, to injure somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not like uh, I was driving on a slippery road and my car slipped off and I hit somebody. You know, it's it's right. such a tragic thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So my heart goes out and, and, and all the sympathy in the world goes to the young lady and her family, you know, and I feel for that, you know. Uh, for Rudd, I feel for him, you know, and I think the thing that hurts me more here with Rudd is, uh, you know, in the NFL, I think the NFL as a whole, uh, whatever it's been, you know, 30, 35 years ago, we, and I say we, we in the NFL, we started a system. Uh, we started a system that we were taking care of young guys co coming to the league and we were looking out for them and, and trying to avoid situations like that, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, we were doing things with them. Uh, we had guys that we still today, but we had guys back in the day that was running a player program that was on top of kids and young kids like that coming in. Uh, it was a hard situation. We had that we dealt with uh, when we was in Oakland. You know, we was in Oakland. We started that program. And, uh, man, we were working it every day, trying to keep guys safe and, uh, and, and trying to keep them in the right frame of mind. And then we moved yeah. to Los Angeles. And let, let me say something to you, Ron. We were scared to death, you know, because mm. we came to L.A. and we said, oh, my gosh. You know, we're bringing these guys to L.A. and they want to go out and party and hang out in LA, Los Angeles. We were scared to death, you know, but we never really – we had a couple of things happen and uh, a couple of guys, got, you know, had a car wreck. Uh, they, they ran, 
had a car accident, lost his life, lost his life. And Mm. I understand, you know, part of life, you know, but at the same time, you know, I think when you go to a place like Las Vegas, I think all that stuff triples. It it doesn't double, it triples or quadruple, you know what Mm. I mean? Mm -hmm. Because I think everybody in life has been going to Las Vegas since they were little kids. Uh, you know, I mean, little kids, 12, 13, 14 years old. But if we haven't been going, we've heard about our parents talking about going to Las Vegas. And, you know, oh, boy, whatever goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas. And, mm-hmm. you know, the city that never sleeps and all that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think the I think the temptations for the young man to come out of college to be 21, 22 years old and to put him in that situation is hard. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard. You know what I mean? And I think the big pain for me here is, that I think at the same time, all the years that we in the NFL and it started, it kind of started with Al Davis, you know, with mm-hmm. that same guy, you know, it started to, we started back in the day to looking out for players and, and watching them at night and, and being on top of them and, and taking care of them and keeping them out of those situations, keeping them out the bar, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning, you know, and mm-hmm. I just think that when you pick up and you move to, to Las Vegas, I think you increase the odds of things happening, you increase the temptation, you know, and I just feel like maybe the NFL has slipped a little bit and we're slipping a little bit more and more every day as far as being on top of these kids, you know. Uh, I think the one thing I'll say is all my conversations with Al Davis and people call it what they want, you know, but when I when I was with Al Davis, Al Davis always believed and his theory was, Terry, we got to babysit him. I don't care mm-hmm. what nobody said, Terry, we got to babysit him. Terry, these are young men, you know, he, he would say, you know, in his tone, you know, uh, 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 Terry, let me let me explain this to you, you know. And he would say to you, hey, these are young kids that we're bringing here in Oakland or we're bringing in to Los Angeles. And Terry, we got to babysit them. We got to call them at night. We got to know where they are. We got to make sure they're home, make sure they're at their house. You know what I mean? Forget that. Ain't no curfew. We got to make sure we got to babysit them, you know. And I think the, the I think the NFL has gotten away from I've gotten away a lot from that babysitting them at night. And that's 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 bothered me and hurt me a little bit, you know, because I just feel like stuff like this, maybe it's going to happen because it's God wish. But at the same time, we need to be more and more on top of it. You know, I mean, that a kid ain't out two, three o'clock in the morning, yeah. driving 150 miles an hour, two, three o'clock in the morning, been drinking. You know, we just need to be more on top of that stuff and be more aware and babysit them more, you know. Yeah. And uh, like I said, my heart bleed for her and her family. My heart bleeds for him. Because I do know it's a, you know, it's a 22, 21, 22 year old young man, a young man, a boy that we brought in or they brought in from Carolina, wherever he came in, wherever he grew up at. They brought him to Las Vegas. He got a contract of some $20 million or something. So he's rich and got a new car and all that stuff, you know, and just take him and turn him loose in that city and say, go live. It's just not it's just not the right way it's to do hard. business. You know, it really know? Is. and that's the thing that uh, that's the thing that bothers me about it and bothers me more and more every day that we're losing our grips to personal 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 yeah. stuff with these kids. And at the same time, the fact that a kid think he's a man doesn't mean he's a man, you know, because mm-hmm. he gets up in the morning and he goes back, he gets up in the morning, goes to the locker room, put on that uniform, put on that gear, play a game, mm-hmm. you know. Oh yeah, come on, man, come on, man, I'm a man. No, no, you're not a man yet. You got a ways to go. You're still wet behind the ears, as we used to say. And a little bit of what Freddie Belinikoff used to tell me all the time, Terry, you're still wet behind the ears. You know what I mean? And mm. we just need to, uh, you know, I don't care how much the guys are protest. I don't care how much they, you know, fuss at you and shove you away. We got to be on top of them a little bit better. We got to continue to babysit them, yeah. to babysit them and, 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 and stay on them until they grow up. You know what I mean? 
Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Tina Tentor, the young lady who lost her life in the accident. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just a real class move by Mark Davis intending her funeral, um, you know, to, to to pay homage to her life and, and uh, yeah. her family. Um, yeah, and that's the one thing I'll say to you, Ryan, is, and again, I know that family extremely, extremely well. You know, Mark Davis being an only child, let me tell you something. Uh, I would be disappointed if Mark didn't go, you mm. know, because knowing Mark the way I know Mark Davis, Mark Davis was raised the the, the proper way. Mm. And listen, when when Mark Davis wasn't uh, babysitted by when his when his daddy didn't hear, didn't didn't have his hands on him mm. and keeping him in line, his mom did, you know, because okay. I think the world knows the world knows about Al Davis. But I'll promise you this: there's a woman named Caroli Davis. That's that's God sent. That woman there was God sent to Al Davis to raise Mark Davis, to have and to raise Mark Davis. Mark Davis was raised correctly. Mm-hmm. And there ain't no question about that. And uh, one thing I'll say, I believe about Mark Davis. Maybe he won't all the time, mm-hmm. but I got to say this to you. I'll believe in my heart more times than not, he's going to do the right thing. Okay. Just let him let him be Mark Davis. He's going to do the right thing. Now, Coach, can the, the Raiders recover from the loss of Al Davis? He had his fingerprints all over the organization for decades. I just think just personally, I just want your opinion, but – you know, can Mark transition from Al? I mean, do you, in your opinion? Yeah, I think he can, but I do believe he's got some hard shoes to fill. Yeah, the yeah. thing that I say to you, the thing I'll say to Mark Davis, uh, the, the the thing I'll say to him is where he would be missing and where he would be lacking is in that arena that his daddy grew up in. You know, his daddy grew mm-hmm. up as a coach and a brilliant-minded coach. Then his daddy became a head coach. Then his daddy became a general manager. Then his daddy became an owner. Right. And his daddy was also a commissioner. You know what I mean? Right. So his daddy, his daddy, his daddy, man, listen, his daddy had run every race. He'd done them all. You know, he'd, oh. been, he'd been through it all. Where Mark Davis just took over. And Mark haven't had the privilege to do any of those. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think where Mark is going to miss the boat, the thing I like about Mark Davis, and I like a lot, is that he is never going to be, because he's not able, he'll never be, as hands-on as his dad because mm-hmm. he'll never be able to tell – he will never be able to look at an offensive quarterback like myself and say, Terry, what the hell was you doing? What the hell mm-hmm. was that call you made? Uh, Terry, why the hell did you do that? So why did you do that like his dad? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because he's not as in tune to all of that stuff the way his dad used to be. He'll never right. be able to look at a look at a defensive quarterback and say, hold on a minute now, Terry. Why did you play cover two that? Shouldn't you have played six and rolled to that guy? Terry, why the hell didn't you double – you know, Jerry Rice, why the hell you let him catch the game winner? Mark will never be able to do that, you know what I mean, because he don't know that the details like his daddy did because he didn't come up. He didn't come up through the school and become educated like his daddy did. But the thing that I like about Mark, Mark has got fire about him. Mark has got life about him. Mark has got energy, and he's got a burning desire. You know, a lot of owners, a lot of owners buy football teams, and they say, oh, boy, I want to win the Super Bowl. But do they have the energy? Do they have the strength? Do they have the, the personality, the life to go get out there in front and go do what they got to do to win a game, to win a Super Bowl? You know what I mean? And Mark right. Davis has got all of that. The other thing that I like about Mark Davis uh, is Mark is going to be real, real careful. He's going to be uh, real cautious. He's going to talk to people he knows for advice. He's not, he's not afraid to go gather advice on areas he's not familiar with. And when he makes decisions of – uh, do this, do this, and do that. He's gonna he's gonna try to put himself in position to hire the right guy 
to come do whatever that job is. You know, if it's, mm-hmm. if it's hiring a head coach, he's going to talk to enough enough general managers or enough players or enough. Uh, you know, Al Davis would interview whoever was going to be his head coach. He mm-hmm. would interview him and sit across the table and interview him for hours. That was him. Mark Davis won't do that. Mark Davis will talk to enough people and get enough information about a guy, whether it's players, John Madden, Ron Wolf, whether it's players or ex-GMs or whoever, he will talk to enough people to hire the proper people. You know what I mean? And uh, and, and he made good decisions. He got a burning desire to win. And uh, the thing I think that's different from Mark as opposed to his daddy, I think his daddy's uh, wallet when it came to going hire players and you know, buying players through free agents, doing that. I don't think his daddy's wallet was as big as his. His pocket wasn't as deep. You know, Mark <laughs> Mark Davis got money. I mean, he got money, you know, and uh, his daddy put him in that position, and he's not afraid to spend it. I mean, he, he he's going to spend it, you know what I mean? And if he's got to if he's got to go buy a player and go get a player, he, he's going to spend it. I, I'll tell you one thing. i tell you one thing, Ryan, getting back to that one is, I'm really, really surprised and shocked. I'm surprised and shocked. i tell you this. If Al Davis was alive – that same old BJ would be in Las Vegas right now. He wouldn't be in LA. Yeah, yeah he, that's he, what I was hoping. He, he'd be, listen, he'd be, he'd be in Las Vegas. You see him walking down the street with that blonde hair, but uh-huh. he'd have some silk, he'd have some silver and black street going through it. <laughs> I'm telling you that. If Al, if Al Davis, well, I know this for sure. I know this for sure. I'll tell you this. I'm about 80%. I'm about 80% certain that if Al Davis was alive, OBJ would be walking through Las Vegas with rated stuff on. If it, uh-huh. And that's the eighty percent. If 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 it was me and Al Davis back in the day when Al Davis and I was together, uh-huh. I'm a hundred percent sure. I'm a hundred percent sure he'd be right. And look, and this is what he would be doing. He would be driving down the strip in mm. a convertible, nineteen sixty seven convertible Mustang with mm. that blonde streak and a silver and black streak in his hair. He'd been he'd been wearing a Raider outfit. I promise you that. Yeah, man, just win, baby. That's that's just what, win. Wow. That's, that's exactly what it is. Just win. Just win. Speaking of money, and like you just mentioned with Mark and, and the, the checkbook, you know, with Gruden getting that $100 million 10-year deal, was that the right move? And did you feel it was the right move to let him go after the emails came out? Well, let me say this to you uh, again. Hats off to John Gruden. A lot of people say, hey, good for him. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right deal. I don't, re- I don't ever think that's the right deal. I think there's been a handful of coaches in the National Football League that I would say I would pay five, six, seven, eight million dollars to. I just can't. I just can't do it. You know what I mean? I just can't do it. Uh, I've been a coach all my life, and I know I've never made any. And I consider myself a pretty good coach. But I also know this. You know, I know some of the greatest coaches in the history of football has never made a hundred million dollars. Now, the fact that the cost of living is going up, and the fact that people are getting raised for you know for, for staying alive and doing work and all that, I understand that. You know what I mean? But to tell me that you got one guy that's going to be the head coach, that's going to run your organization. Uh, and, and listen, ain't no one coach, no way in the history of football by himself has ever won, you know, a game by himself. It's just, right. it just doesn't happen. You know what I mean? So when you tell me that, okay, we give a guy a hundred million dollar contract. Well, okay. The minute you told it to me, I'm going to say, okay, Bill Belichick, you know, we only give him a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Give him a hundred million dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think Bill Parcell is one of the best coaches to ever coach football. Would I have yeah. given him a hundred million dollars? No, absolutely not. Okay. Bill Walsh. I might have given that guy $100 million. You know what I mean? I might have, Chuck Knox, Pittsburgh Steelers. I might have given that guy $100 million. You know what I mean? But I would give it to him after he won that seventh Super Bowl, that eighth Super Bowl. I wouldn't give it to him the fact that, oh, yeah, he'd been coaching for five years. I think he's a good coach. I, I, I just wouldn't do it. You know what I mean? Now, the, the other side of that thing, your question was, 
when uh, the things came out about John and his emails, would I have let him go? I would have let him go. You know, I would. Yes. And and the reason I say that to you is uh, it's, it's disappointing how it came out. And I'm like John. I'm just like John Gruden. I'm disappointed that the league come out and say we got 65,000 emails, but we only going to give you all these two. You know, John, uh, come on, please. If y'all are going to. If y'all gonna go after one guy, why? Why just that one? Go after everybody. You know what I mean? But my point to that is, uh, I know this for a fact that uh, I'd been I'd been hard pressed sitting in that meeting room with John Gruden, knowing that he had sent out uh, emails, a text, or whatever it may have been. He sent that to his friends, laughing and joking about another person, another mm-hmm. human being, especially an African American. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then I would personally, Terry Bisky, I would have really taken it personal. Because D. Maurice Smith uh, is head of a union that I used to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And D. Maurice Smith, I think, does a hell of a job. And I think uh, him, Gene Upshaw, I respect the hell out of those guys for the job they've done. And I consider those guys friends of mine. And I consider D. Maurice. D. Maurice is a friend of mine. So I've been hard-pressed as a coach to be sitting in a meet room with a guy that I knew said that and said yeah. that to his buddies, said that to his buddies in a racial tone. That would have bothered me and really hurt me a lot. I've been hard-pressed to be sitting across the table you know, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, trying to help that guy win, help him succeed, help him win a Super Bowl, help him look good on TV, you know what I mean, and help him make $100 million. I, I, I just couldn't do it. And, 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 and let me say this to you. If I wasn't feeling it, then I sure wouldn't go back to my meeting room with my players and ask mm-hmm. them to feel it. You know, because wow. if, I can't, if I can't give you my all, and I don't think I'm going to give you my all from what I heard you say it or mm-hmm. what your email said, I can't give you my all. And if I can't give you my all, I can't go to my meeting room and ask my players, come on, man, come on, give me all you got. Give me all you got. I can't do it. Yeah, trickles down. I can't do it. You know what I mean? I can't do it. You know what I mean? So I'm sure if that's the way I'm feeling, players, I'd have a lot of players in my meeting room going to be feeling the same. And I'm going to have some players in the online room. And I'm going to have some players in the tight end room. I'm going to have some players in all the rooms going to be feeling the same way. Well, I can't sit down there and tell a guy how to feel. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And, and, and if you're embarrassed and hurt that a guy that you're working for would make such a statement, you know, I can't tell you, oh, man, let it go. You know how that happened two years ago. Come on, man, let it go. No, I can't do that. Yeah. I can't I can't do that. It happened. And if it happened two years ago or three years ago or four years ago, whatever that is, it happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and and it happened at a time that's really, really hard. You know what I mean? But the thing that hurts me the most, Ryan, the thing that hurts me most about that topic is mm-hmm. that I sit down and think about that John Gruden was with ESPN at the time mm-hmm. this at the time this incident happened, right? And he's on ESPN and he's broadcasting games. And I think we all know all over the world, the media is very, very powerful, very, very strong, very, very powerful. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But to believe that this guy was broadcasting games and he's got the ability to promote and help coaches, mm-hmm. you know, to move on to the next level and get another job, you know? And if that's the way he's sitting and thinking and feeling, if those emails was correct and he does have – uh those feelings, you know, uh, any, any type of racial feelings, if he has that and he's broadcasting games, why would he ever say something nice about an African-American assistant coach? I just mm. don't see him doing it. You know what I mean? I, and I think it's been a lot of great assistant coaches in the National Football League that John has broadcast games, you know. And over the years, he's broadcast games that we've coached in. Mm. You know what I mean? But if he's sitting at home or sitting in his office or sitting on that bus he'd be riding on, if he had those thoughts and those feelings, how can he honestly promote us on a, on a oh, broadcast, yeah, a broadcasting a game? You know what I mean? If that's the way he was feeling, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's tough, man. Because 
like you mentioned, I think players, even if they don't say it out loud, I think they feel a certain way when they oh, find no out question. about those. Yeah, it's just yeah, I know question. it's inevitable. It's a human instinct no to, to feel that way. If it's your coworker, your boss, no it's going it's you know, people no have question. feelings, man. So it yeah. that that I think Mark had to just make that decision to say, Hey, this is this is bigger than the team, you know. What I mean, you gotta gotta let this guy go, man. It's yeah, it's no he, question. He loved, and, he had, and, you could tell he had love for Gruden. Is that they they were yeah. real close, right? Yeah, and the thing I'll say is again this: I think Mark, uh, I think Mark made his decision that he wanted to hire John, and he went years ago. He went and did it, whatever, two three years ago. He made the decision that was this guy, and he went and got him. And I think from from day one till minute one or second one before it ended. He supported the hell out of John. I think today he still supports John. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't think, and I don't know the answer. I wasn't there. But I personally don't think Mark Davis made the decision, I'm firing you. You get the hell out of here. You leaving. I don't think that. Now, would he have fired him? I don't know the answer to that question. But I do know this. I don't think he would have fired him when John got fired. Uh, I think Mark came out and said, X the league. They're the one that fired him. I think Mark Hand was tied in this deal. I don't know how how they did it, but I think the league office was the one that forced this and uh, ended up basically John ended up resigned, resigning. I don't think that it was Mark Davis doing. And like I said, Mark might have fired him maybe, you know, two weeks later or six weeks later at the end of the season, Mark might have fired him. But I don't think Mark made the decision to fire him when he fired him. I just I support Mark Davis and I don't think he I don't think he did that. I just I just don't. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a lot of people say he didn't really want to do it, but he had to do it. And it might be yeah. the NFL front office could help yeah. maybe had something to do with it. Yeah. Um, but I tell you, I tell you this, I do believe it was the right thing to do. Okay. You know what I mean? Because I do believe at the end of the day, you know, it's like a lot of other things happen, but I think at the end of the day, you just don't want to go whatever they had left, you know, eight, nine, ten more games that every stadium you walk in, people are booing, uh, yelling, uh, screaming, oh, boo, boo, boo. You know, yeah, people distraction. Are, yeah, or you're sitting there, you just feel like, you know, you're walking in the locker room before the game, or maybe after the game we lost the game, and you don't, you know, you're just sitting there. You just don't want to be sitting looking around. So there's an elephant in the room somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, at the same time, you know, let's say, you know, you're in a situation and uh, you're in the game and you lost the game because a linebacker uh, uh, missed a close tackle on the guy. He just dove at his ankle and missed. Now you're sitting there wondering. Did that guy, you know, the fact that that guy's an African-American, did he really give his all on that play? You know, are they giving their all for John? Are they really – are those guys really dying for him? You know, you just didn't want to just – yeah, you just didn't want to – it's just best to cut let's, – let's just say – what they say? Let's just cut bait and move on. Yeah. And you just, you just don't want to keep sitting there, you know. You don't want to just yeah. keep sitting there and all these things just hoovering over your oh, head. Yeah, you know what I yeah. Mean? With that being said, Coach, do you think the Raiders can – Recover, or is this almost a lost season with the runs? No, 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 no. I, I, I absolutely, yeah, I absolutely don't think it's a lost season. I really okay. don't. I think, uh, you know, the new head coach came in, Rich came in and took over. Uh, I know he took over on an interim basis. I'm excited for him. I really like him. Uh, I've known him for a long time. He's a hell of a special team coach, really a good guy, a good person. Uh, and I believe this. I believe he will work his ass off to win every game they got left. I do believe that the players are going to play their ass off for him because they know he's dedicated to the game. And you talk about a guy that don't see no color. This guy don't see no color. This guy is the real person. Uh, all he cares about is winning a football game. You know what I mean? He, you know, if somebody said, hey, man, come on, we're going we're gonna to shoot a movie of you, the interim head coach. Let's, no, 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 y'all ain't shooting no movie on me. No, it ain't going to happen. You know, 
He's not walking in. He's not walking on no field worrying about where the TV stations are, where the TV cameras are. He's not worried about what the TV people are going to say about him. He is trying to win the game. So he go home at night, kiss his wife goodnight. She said, hell of a win, man. I love you. You know, and that's all that guy's trying to do. And my hat's off to him. I wish him the best. Uh, I, I, I think he's going to make sure. I think he's going to make sure. Uh, you know, listen, I don't know what their record is today, 5-5, five and five, I believe, or whatever. But if they sit there and if they, if they, if they sit there in a couple weeks and they could be, you know, they looking, they could be five and ten. Mm-hmm. They could be five and ten and two games left. He gonna make them play them last two games. They're gonna play their ass off them last two games. He will make them play from sunset to sunrise, from sunrise to sunset, from the first whistle to the last whistle. He gonna make them play. They're gonna play for him. I, I believe that in the bottom of my heart. Now, do they have enough? You know, do they have enough of uh, what they need and enough guys and enough playmakers? You know, do they have enough? I don't know. I don't know the answer to the question. I don't know the answer to that question. But no. I do know this: if it comes to coaching, if it comes to coaching, he, he he's gonna he's gonna make he's gonna get him the play. He's gonna get him the play. My favorite team, my favorite Raiders team, the nineteen ninety team. There was a lot going on with that team. With if you could talk about it, just give me the just the, the from your perspective, Bo and I and Marcus, two great running backs. I know you were offensive coordinator for many years. Uh, with the Raiders, um, how hard was it to balance when you had Bo coming in mid-season, and then Marcus Allen kind of already being an established star in, in L.A. You know, uh, it was. Uh, I, I think starting off with, it wasn't that big a deal um, because we had sat down and had meetings on top of meetings on top of meeting. Okay, you know, and. Uh, you know, you sit down having all this meeting, and 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 one thing, one thing, Mister Davis always believed in preparing. You know, he'd always say, "Hey, you know, we got to prepare, preparation, be ready, be ready for this, be ready for that." Yeah. So we felt that we we believed that that was Marcus Allen's team, and Marcus Allen was the man. Okay. And the way Mister Davis would always say it is, "We're bringing Bowie in to be a part of the show. He's not going to be the show." You know, he, he's not going to be the show. We bring yeah. him in to be a part of the show. Oh, okay. All right, good. And that was kind of a our thinking that this was Marcus' show. Bo just going to be a part of it. Well, we started off like that. But after a period of time, Bo was like, no, no, no. I want to be the show. I'm the show. And he took over. Mm. You know, he took over. And, it, I mean, he took over to a point that even – you know how they say at the end of their performance they have them them guys most of the time them stars they be they be they walk up to the edge of the stage and take a bow. Uh-huh. Well, when Bo Jackson took over the show, Marcus took a bow. Marcus said, "Wait, wait, Terry, hats, <laughs> hats off to this guy, man. You know, we got to let him do what he do. You know, and wow. and, and 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 how I said Marcus took a bow. That's Marcus Allen being Marcus Allen. Marcus mm-hmm. Allen was the guy that came in and said, "Hey, man, uh, listen, uh, you you know I used to block uh, at USC." I used to block for that Charlie guy. He said, I can do this now. I can do this. Let, let's go ahead and put me and boy in the game. So he the one that came in, and that's what I mean by I said he took a bow. He came in, and and, and and it was him who came in and suggested and recommended, let's wow. just go ahead and come up with a package, man, that we'll create some problems with me and Bo. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. So we did. We created it. And I think one of the first games we we, we used it was against uh, Denver and, uh, you know, and, and kind of set them on fire. We ended up beating them. And uh, it was great, and it was a great package. But it was Marcus, like I said, who took that ball, came in and said, "Hey, let this guy do what he do, man. This guy's phenomenal, you know." Because 
uh, and Bo was. I mean, Bo was. The thing that was uh, was crazy about it was, you know, we always felt like with Marcus Allen, you know, that Marcus, when Marcus got to that carry number 26, 27, 30, he started getting stronger. You know, Marcus, uh, as the game went on later in the game, Marcus started gaining strength and got stronger. Now, when we got Bo there, 26, 27, you know, Bo only needed 12 touches. He didn't, he didn't need, he didn't need to carry 30 times. And he tell you that, you know, no, 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 I don't need 30. I don't need 30, you know? And that was the big thing for Bo. You could give him 10, 12, 15 at the most. He, he was going to have close to 200, you know? So he would take his, he would take his 12, 14 touches and, you know, go out and call it a day. And then, you know, we give Marcus 20, 21, 22. So it, it, it balanced itself out. You know, it balanced out pretty good. With that team, man, you guys brought in uh, Eric Dickerson, late in the career, um, uh, Ronnie Lott, um, and then uh, the loss to Bo in the playoffs. In your yep. opinion, would it have made a difference going into Buffalo if Bo didn't lose or get hurt, hurt his hip the, the week before against Cincy? Well, let me say this to you. I definitely believe it hurt us. I think it destroyed us, really. Uh, mm -hmm. I think when we were, uh, you know, when we was riding up there high, high, high on cloud nine. Right. Like we thought we the Super Bowl. I think mm -hmm. that that just kind of deflated us. You know, we lost, uh, again, at that time, we lost probably our best player. Yeah. yeah. Player. You know, and no, he, he, ended up, he ended up getting hurt. We lost, lost him. And we, hurt, we lost our best player. For the biggest game of the year, you know, and I just think yeah. at the end of the day, uh, it, it, let me say this to you, um, you know, I'm sharp enough to sit down and say, would we have beat Buffalo in Buffalo? I don't know the answer to that question, you know, but I yeah. think that might have been the game, the championship game. They beat us uh, 53 to three or something like that. Yeah. And it was just ugly. They just they treated us like, uh, as I said, like redheaded stepchildren. But <laughs> today, we, we I think we would have fought a, a, a bigger battle. But I don't think uh, – I, I still don't know if we could have beat them because, you know, Buffalo, let's be honest with them. I mean, Buffalo is one of the greatest teams ever back then. Them guys went to four Super Bowls in a row. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, man, that's hard to do, and, and they did to them, you know. But obviously, yeah. like I said, go in there and play and compete. You know, play mm -hmm. and compete uh, when you lose your best guy ever, you know. How was your relationship with Art Shell, the head coach at the time, and, and how much pressure was on you guys? I know you work with Flores as well, the first Hispanic head coach, and Art, the first black head coach. Yeah, and uh, it was it was it was great. Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing about it, uh, all the years I was with Coach Flores, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I could look at him, and you know, I could look at him. I could say he was Hispanic, and you look at the first, and but I never looked at him. I mean, I never looked at him to say he was mm -hmm. black, white, blue, green. You know, mm -hmm. I never. I never looked at him that way. I just looked at him that he was a brilliant-minded person. Yeah. He was a great coach. When I got him and uh, when, when he got me, not when I got him, but when he got me, uh, it was just a great relationship. And uh, I was happy as hell that, you know, he took over and he kept me. I was there. But I, I never looked at Tom and saw him for color. Never, It never bothered me. I just knew Tom was a brilliant-minded guy because I'd been in meeting with him. And I'd been in meeting with him as a quarterback coach. And I'd been in meeting with him when he had wasn't, you know, he was a coordinator calling the plays and running everything. So I just knew him as a great coach, and I never once stopped to look at what color he was. You know what I mean? Wow. And then he, I think maybe Archell's first game was Monday Night Football in New York City. You know, and he, he goes to New York, and we got a game in New York, and everything was black. It was a black 
I think it was the first black head coach, and it might have even been, I think, Johnny Greer might have called the game. You know, first time they had a black head coach and a black referee on the field at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I remember that. So all, all this historic thing began to happen, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, when all that start, stuff started happening, it was big. I mean, it was big. It was a, it was a big distraction. You know, it was mm-hmm. a big distraction. It was hard, to, hard for us to stay focused, let alone trying to keep the players focused. You know, it was tough, yeah. you know, but, uh, you know, we, we went on and did it and Art took over. And I think, uh, you know, he took over maybe about midseason and we went ahead and won a couple of games. I think uh, maybe the last game, if we'd won it, I think we might have lost to Seattle. But I think the last game, if we'd won, we'd made it to the playoff. So we ended up one game out, but we still felt good about ourselves. I felt really, really good about Art. I felt good about what's going to happen. I felt good about where he was going to go with the players and the team, you know, and I think we still had a lot of confidence in us and a lot of confidence in our ability. We felt like we needed a couple more guys and, you know, we'll work our way up, you know. So it was a good thing. It was fantastic. But then I think at the uh, at the end of the day, we said, hey, man, look, this is good. We got this train on the right track. We're going the right direction. Let's just keep on moving forward and let's go ahead and see if we can win and, and, and get, get better. And then the next year or two, you know, we got better and we started moving on and winning some games, you know, and end up going uh, going to the championship game, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Coach, you have so much history, man. It's it's hard to dissect everything. So I'm kind of going to pinpoint some some events during your coaching career and just give me your thoughts. How special was that young core guys, man, and uh, the team that you guys had that went 13 and three? Well, the one thing I can tell you about the Atlanta the Atlanta time that I was there in Atlanta with Mike Smith was probably mm-hmm. one of the most special times I ever had. Wow. Because the the most phenomenal thing about all of that is from day one to day 501, Mike Smith ain't never, ever, ever led anybody in that building to believe, oh, I'm the head coach. I'm the head coach. Mike Smith ain't never walked around with his chest stuck out. Oh. Mike Smith ain't never walked around with no chip on his shoulder. Mike Smith ain't never walked around. I'm the head coach. You guys are all assistants. Mike Smith did the most fabulous job I've ever seen of coming in, molding a bunch of men as a staff, grabbing a bunch of young players, and molding us, molding us all in and molding us and put, making us all come together for one cause. Mike Smith did one of the most phenomenal jobs I've ever seen as building a team. You know what they say, mm-hmm. uh, uh, coming in the building as a team, to come in and the fact that we all, you know, we all punch that time clock at 8 o'clock in the morning. That's not a team. They say coming in at 8 o'clock, we all punch that clock at, at 8 o'clock in the morning, and then we all mm-hmm. do, we all do the travel in the right direction to make sure the organization win. Mike Smith did as mm-hmm. good a job as anybody I've ever seen in putting all a lot of, lot of games, games, man. We run a lot of games. In Atlanta Falcon history, uh, I think by the time we left there, we were the second winniest team in a four or five year span in football. I think we had won 44 games in four years. New England had won 46. Back for him, and I, you know I can't tell you that for everybody, but it's some guys mm-hmm. I've worked for. I, I would I'd lay on a train track for him if that's what they told me. Ball game, you know, and I always tell mm-hmm. people John Madden. John Madden was the first. You know, if John Madden had told me, Terry, uh, I need you to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge um, for me to be John Madden, blah, 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 
I, I would have did it. If John Madden told me what he needed, I would have did it. First year in the National Football League. Because my first year in the National Football League, 1977, the Raiders had just won their first Super Bowl. They had just beat the uh, Minnesota Vikings. You know what I mean? So they had just won the Super Bowl. So they had just beat the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, it was unbelievable. But when I walked into that building, the love I saw from every guy in there, you know, the Freddie Berlin, uh, Snake, Otis Sistra, Phil Villapiano, the love I saw, Cliff Branch, I can go on. Mm. Every, every guy in that building loved you when you walked in. The addition of Tony Gonzalez, I, I listen, when we went and got Tony Gonzalez, I went out and bought a new house. I bought a new car. I bought my wife some new shoes, and I bought my wife I bought my wife two new purses. Because when we signed Tony Gonzalez, I knew right then we getting ready to roll. I'm getting ready. To, <laughs> listen, man, we in Las Vegas. We just rolled 7-Eleven. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So I knew when we signed Tony Gonzalez, we were going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, we just yeah. we just got to go. We just gotta go play it out. We going to the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Because coming from the Raiders, I knew Tony Gonzalez. Not only did I know him off the field, not only did I know him personally, I knew him on the field. I knew who raised him. I knew that Tony Gonzalez had played for Jimmy Ray, who's my best friend in the NFL. I was offensive coordinator in Kansas City. And I knew Tony mm-hmm. with Marcus Allen. So I had heard enough Tony Gonzalez stories to know that we had just signed the greatest tight end in the history of football. Now, listen, mm. a lot of tight ends will get mad at me. You know, Raymond Chester is a great friend of mine, a great tight end. Dave Casper, one of the best tight ends to ever play. You know, Raymond Chester, one of the best. I could give you hundreds of them, you know. Yeah. But I think if we took all those tight ends and you put them in a room, and if they all be open and be honest, they all have to admit the fact God made one Tony Gonzalez, and that was God made. God, mm. wow. God, God, you understand what I'm saying? And yeah. For me, the phenomenal thing, me, the phenomenal thing about that guy there is, the phenomenal thing about him is, a lot of people get excited. You know, oh, man, Jerry Rice caught 80 balls this year. Oh, man, Jerry Rice caught 90 balls. Oh, Jerry caught 79. People go crazy. Jerry Rice caught 80 balls. I think Tony Gonzalez, and I ain't looked in a long time, I think that guy caught 80 balls from a tight end position about 12 12 years in a row. Yeah. If Tony if Tony Gonzalez, whenever Tony Gonzalez caught 79 balls, oh, man, he had a down year. That was a down year. You know, wow. it's, it's, it's unthought of. It's unthought of that a man could play that position. And the reason I say that position, because you got to imagine, he ain't never got soft coverage. A wide receiver, the corner may be off. Mm-hmm. You know, the corner, the corner may be a zone player. The, ball, mm-hmm. the corner may be playing cover two. The corner may be playing cover three. You know, every now and then he come and play man press. You know what I mean? But that receiver don't have somebody pressing for him. Every single play, Tony Gonzalez got somebody over his head, a linebacker, knocking the shit out of him on his release. And the man goes 10, 12, 13 years. I'd have to go back and look. Like I told you, if, if there's a year where Tony Gonzalez caught 79 balls, he had a down year. He had a down wow. year. And that guy was the most phenomenal player. He's the most phenomenal player I've ever seen. I, listen. I've coached Bo Jackson. I've coached Marcus Allen. I've coached Eric Dickinson. I've been with Kenny Stabler, Bob Greasy, Art Shell, Anthony Munoz. You call a position, I could tell you the players I've been around, been in the locker room with, been on the field with. The mm-hmm. greatest player I've ever stood next to 
It's Tony Gonzalez. Wow. Uh, now, Coach, you work with a lot of the stars now in the NFL, and I just want to get your opinion on who you think might have the brightest future. I mean, just with guys like James Robinson, um, Josh Allen. Uh, you also uh, work with Derek um, Henry. Right. Uh, how do you feel? Did you see what we see now when you had them as rookies? Well, let me say this to you. Uh, Derek Henry – uh, starting out with no, I did not see it. I saw a very good football player, uh-huh. but but I didn't see a guy that had the chance, uh, was capable of, of being Bo Jackson. No, no, I didn't see it. Mm. No, no, I didn't see it. No, I didn't see it. That guy, uh, that guy is a special player, man. He's a good player. He's a good player, and he's special, you know. But uh, Derrick Henry, to me, is a cross, a little bit of a cross, uh, you know, people ask who's the best, Bo Jackson, Marcus Allen. I don't know, man. It's like asking me who's the who's the prettiest, Beyonce or Rihanna. I, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? Ferrari but, and the Jack. Huh? Yeah, you know what I mean. But I'm just sitting down saying, Derrick Henry was a cross to me, was a cross between Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen. Now, what I say is the difference. Bo Jackson was a guy that was a grown, full-grown man. Bo Jackson will run away from you, run around you, and if you stood in the way, he'll run over you. Mm. And I told people, when Marcus Allen played flag football, I bet you in my lifetime, if you put him in a phone boot and put one guy on his right and one guy on his left, when you open that door, that phone boot, they couldn't get his flag. Wow. I bet you they couldn't get his flag. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Marcus was just a guy that you know people couldn't touch. You know, now you mm. see me, now you don't. You know what I mean? Now, Derrick Henry got all of that. Derrick Henry is 6'4", 240, probably runs mm. about a 4'3", 3, 4'3", 4, 40. You know, got average hands. But Derrick got – Derrick, he'll stiff on you if he have to, like we saw on TV. He'll mm. stiff on you if he have to. He'll pull away from you. And, and, and you can have an angle on him and think you got him and you don't have him. The mm. guy is just a phenomenal football player. You know, okay. and 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 I'll say this to you, I think he's in the class by himself. Okay. I think he's in the class by himself, and uh, you know maybe a year or two down the road, somebody might come play with him a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. I think Najee from the Steelers got a chance to come in and and getting up there with him a little bit. You know, but I mm-hmm. think right now today, uh, in the running back room, Derrick Henry is the man. He's the okay. man. Now I like James Robinson, uh, my head coach in Jacksonville, Doug, Doug Marone, love. James Robinson, he's the one drafted him, and uh, okay. he loves him. And I think, uh, you know, I think James is a really good player. I think, uh, you know, he's got a chance to be to being a good player. I don't mm-hmm. think he'll ever be special. Okay. I don't think special. Now, the thing that uh, James got great eyes, uh, great feet, can jump cut, very smooth, very mm-hmm. strong, uh, play all parts of the game, got good hands, uh, got really good hands, can catch the ball, come out of the backfield. A great pass protector. You know, he's better than Derek in that field for sure. But the thing that he doesn't have is the top end speed. You know, he can't run around you and pull away from you. And, uh, you know, they tell you, you know, speed kills and God give it to those he gave it to. Uh, unfortunately, James didn't get that part from God. So that's the thing that I think will keep him from being, ever being number one or the top in the league or, you know, things of that nature. Because I don't think he's going to ever have enough. You know, like you can see Derek 
Derrick Henry once a week go run go break one for fifty for sixty. You know, yeah. uh, Derrick Henry if you mess around with him will break one for eighty seven ninety two. You know, I don't think James Robinson will do that. You know, uh, Leonard Fournette's a good back. I had Leonard. Leonard Fournette is very very good, very very special. Uh, Leonard Leonard's got damn good hands. You know, mm. uh, the thing that uh, and he'll get mad at me. The thing that disappointed me on Leonard is, I just think. Uh, he spends one night, two night a week. He's too busy eating. Uh, I guess today it ain't fat burger. I like to say fat burger because Magic Johnson on that, you know. But he's yeah, too busy. Yeah. yeah, he's too busy. You know, he's too busy uh, fattening out Magic Johnson's pocket. You know, every once or twice a week he's eating fat burger. And I don't like him. You know, I don't like him trying to be heavy like Derrick Henry. He think he got to be big to run over people to outpower mm-hmm. him. You know, but the mm-hmm. thing I think is. You know, I think Leonard is a 230 player, and he plays about 236. And I always tell him, there's six pounds, go get one of them DBs to catch you. You know, yeah. and, 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 and that's the thing that bothers me about him. But uh, I think he's a damn good back. And Leonard, can, to me, Leonard can rush for 1,500, 1,600. Leonard could be a 2,500-yard uh, total yards offense every year. Every year he play. If, he, if, he, mm. if you just put him out there, let him play, let him go. You know, he don't get mm. tired. He don't wear down. You know, he gets frustrated when things ain't going good. He let things frustrate him, and it messes up his game, you know. But uh, Leonard's a good football player, and I think every year he can contribute to any offense. And like I said, get, go get you between uh, 2,200, 2,400 yards total offense every year. With running backs, just in coaches' eyes, who is your top five running backs of all time? Oh, boy. Uh, my top five all time? Yeah. <laughs> well, boy, now you put me in a bind. Now, let me say this to you. Um, uh, well, I'm going to say this to you. Obviously, I got a lot of love and a lot of respect in my heart, but it's yeah. hard for me to it's hard for me to comment on Jim Brown, yeah. Gail Sears, Leroy Kelly, O.J. Simpson. You know, O.J., mm-hmm. uh, when I was coming out of college, O.J. Simpson could walk on water for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The guy was just so special. You know what I mean? And I think them four guys are fantastic, fantastic running backs. You know, but the guys that I have stood up on the field with and, and stood across the field from and, and coached and been on the field with, you know, I'm going to have to tell you, you know, there's a, a Barry Sanders guy. There's an Emmitt Smith guy. There's a Marcus Allen guy. There's a Bo Jackson guy. There's Eric Dickinson guy. Those five, those, those five guys there, again, listen, man. Listen, I'm gonna tell you again. That's that's like uh, you know Beyonce and Rihanna. You know I me. Mean? Yeah. Those five guys there. If you take me and put me in a room with them, I love them all. Yeah, I love yeah. them all. You know, don't. Uh, I, it'd be hard to rank. Mm, it'd yeah. be hard to rank a man. But let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. If you were telling me, I got one game. Mm-hmm. Terry, you got one game, man, and uh, you got one game to go in that game. It'd be hard on me, but I'd have to go with Barry Sanders. If you okay. told me I had one, if you told me I had one, I'd have to go with Barry. Um, if you if you that, had that, to call if you if coach, if you had to call run running back in the game to win the Super Bowl fourth and one from the one, who's getting the carry? Marcus Allen. Mm, okay. Yeah. Fourth, you said fourth and one now. You yeah. said fourth and one. Marcus fourth Allen. And one from the one. Okay. Fourth, yeah. fourth and one from the one. Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen or Emmett Smith. Uh we played St. Louis Rams. They were still in St. Louis. We played the St. Louis Rams in the LA Coliseum. And it comes down, and uh, we get the ball. We throw 
throw a ball, baby. We hit it. We get out of the four-yard line. Marcus Allen has been on the bench the entire game. Al Davis, it was kind of like Al was going to trade him, so he didn't want him to get hurt. He said, don't play him. And the kid hadn't played the whole entire game by 75,000 people. And uh, Marcus, had, Marcus had not been in the game, sitting on the bench, and he's cold. And we get to the four-yard line, and there's like 28 seconds left. We call timeout. And Archie, I said, Terry, what do you do? I said, I'm going to give it to him. He said, he hadn't mm. played the whole game. I said, I don't care. I got to win the game. Wow. He said, well, he said, you, he said, if you put him in, he better score. Because if you don't, you're going to lose your job. I said, if I don't hey. put him in, if I don't put him in, if I don't put him in, I'm going to lose the game. So it don't make a difference to me. That's I said, Marcus, get loose, man. Get loose. You're going in. I told Jay Sweater, I said, go out in the field. I said, walk out on the field. Tell these players in the huddle. Mm. I'm putting Marcus in the game. We're going 14 blasts. If you don't get in, hurry up. Get back on the ball. We're going to do it again. Same play, 14 mm. blasts. I'm going to mm. give it to him two times in a row. Mm. And, Ryan, I wow. gave it to him the first play. The ball's on the four-yard line. And uh, a photographer for the L.A. Times snapped a picture of him. Marcus was in the air. And I think I think the cartoon that next morning, somebody drew a cape on his back, Superman. He flew over the offensive line, the defensive line, and the linebacker and landed in the end zone. We won the game. Wow. So I, I just seen that in person uh, with my own two eyes on the field. So if you say fourth and one, call it. I got to give it to Marcus Allen. Your pay if you real. had to, to rank your 12 uh, top you need to five get some money? Well, you, oh, sure. uh, wide receivers. You know, I'd have to yeah. pick Jerry, Jerry and Randy. Uh-huh. Jerry and Randy. Uh, I would pick Tim Brown. Because okay. I've been in a huddle with him. I've been in a huddle with him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've been in a huddle with him. Uh, so I, 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 I'd have to pick. I'd have to pick Tim Brown. Uh, oh boy, a lot of other guys I like. Uh, James Lofton was more special. What's your thoughts James on To? Man, a lot of people say he's really. Uh, I love Kyle. To. Uh, uh-huh. I love To. I love him. I love everything about him. I love his heart, his fight, his desire. Uh, he plays, listen, he plays the game, the whole game, harder than Jerry, more physical than Jerry, harder. And I'm talking about block, run, knock the shit out of somebody. You know, all, you know, he plays, T.O. plays the entire game better than, in my opinion, mm-hmm. better than Randy, better than Jerry, better than Tim Brown, better than James Lofton. He plays the entire game better than all them guys. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, you know, he, 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 he could probably be in those five. Um, Michael Irvin, I, I'd have to put Mike in there somewhere. You know, Mike, Mike was a guy, you know, it would be hard to pick five, man. You told me, I, if you said, Terry, pick five, I'll beg you to give me seven. Wait, wait, give me two more, man. I'm leaving off somebody, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, but, so, uh, it's hard, that, but that, that, those, 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 those five, six guys I just gave you, uh, I, I, I'd have to take them all and put them in a room. Okay. I, I I just believe that, you know what I mean? And, you know, listen, uh, you know, everybody talk about how he was slow and a slow white guy and he couldn't run, a, you know, but, you know, Freddie Belenikoff, Freddie Belenikoff was the light of my eyes, boy, that ain't nobody outwork Freddie. Ain't nobody outwork him. Mm. Ain't nobody could, ain't nobody could outcatch him. Ain't nobody mm. could, I'm, I'm just telling you, man, Freddie was, Freddie Belenikoff wasn't, he wasn't one of them 100 yards, 100 uh, catches a year guy, but that guy going to win the game for you. Job done. Yeah. That guy that guy gonna win the game for you, you know. And there's been yeah. a couple guys like that. You know, Steve Largent was a guy. Yeah. Steve Largent was Steve Largent beat the shit out of me a bunch, cost me a couple of Super Bowl rings, you know. Wow. So you know, it's been a lot of great receivers and uh it'd be it'd be hard to come up with five.
And uh, I said, come on, man, I'm going to get it out of you. And my thing when I work guys out, I used to like to work them out. A guy been out all night, I work him out until he threw up. I wanted to see him throw up. Wow. And I decided I was going to kill this guy. Let me see, you know, what people are talking about. Uh-huh. And, man, listen, I worked that guy out for a good a good two hours. Uh-huh. And I saw him over there, man. He over there getting some water, sweating and all. And I said, yeah, I got him. I'm getting him where I want it. I got him. He looked up at me. He said, Coach, uh, how much longer are you going to go? I said, oh, I don't know, man. You know, a couple more. Why? You tired? He said, no, I got a basketball game in a couple hours. He he was the sixth man. <laughs> he was the sixth man on the basketball team. He oh, wasn't wow. tired. He just getting ready to tell me I got to go get ready for this basketball game. Please. I said, man, you doing what? Come on, man. Let's go, man. That guy stood out there with me, worked out for about three hours, man, and then went out there and scored about 15 points that night on Tennessee Chattanooga's basketball team as a sixth man. Man, T.O. was so a machine, man. That's when I knew. That's when I knew that guy was a freak, man. And I come back mm-hmm. and I told Coach, I said, look, it's Tennessee Chattanooga. I know a lot of people going to talk about me, but I'm going to put that guy in the second round. Are you crazy? Mm. We can't take him in the second round. Are you crazy? I said, I'm just telling you what he is. He's second round ability, you know, and uh, mm. we didn't take him. We passed on him, man. Uh, Desmond Howard is one of my best friends. And yeah. the, the thing I'll tell you about Desmond, Desmond Howard was one of those guys. He's kind of like my other three sons I have. You know, yeah. wait a while. You know, wait a while, Terry. Why the hell you got me working so hard? Why the hell you got me doing this? Wait, wait, wait. Let me use mm. my head. There's an easier way to do this. You know, mm. now the thing about Desmond Howard was Desmond Howard was more intelligent than all of us because at the end of the day, uh, I think Desmond Howard mind was, Coach, I'm in this game to make a few dollars, to win a Super Bowl ring, to jumpstart my next career. And he uh-huh. knew what he wanted. He knew what his goal was in life. He knew what his desire was. He knew what he wanted to do. You know what I mean? And I think Desmond played uh, just hard enough, just fast enough, uh, and just at the right time, just like the Super Bowl in New Orleans. He knew right then. Let me return one or two of these kick here. Score me a right. touchdown. I'm set for life. You know what I mean? Right. So from a from a mental standpoint, I tell you again, he's like my three boys. You know, mm-hmm. uh, my three boys are always absolutely. You well, know what Coach I mean? man, I just want to thank you, man. Uh, I mean, I could talk to you all night, man. Just all letting right. our audience know, man, the history of the game from your perspective of you know the general that you are in the game and and just the pioneer that you are for the NFL as far as the things you've experienced, man. Um, what? Let our audience know just um, where you stand right now as far as your career. Are you officially retired? Yeah, I haven't officially announced I retired, but I think officially in my mind I've retired. Uh, I, don't, okay. I don't know if I'm going to go back. I don't, I don't intend today to go back. Uh, right. You know, I just think uh, the thing that I'm at, the point I'm at today, Ryan, is, uh, you know, I had a great time. I had a great time. I, d- I thought I did a great job. Uh, down there with James Robinson. I love, uh, mm-hmm. I love the connection I made with James. I love taking James from uh, from point A to point B, or point zero to sixty miles an hour. Mm-hmm. His first year, I love the things we did. I really enjoyed coaching him, you know. But I also think that at the end of the day, uh, I think the organization organizations are getting tired of coaches coaching people hard. Uh, they're getting mm-hmm. tired of us. Uh, I think the organization is getting tired of buffering. Uh, coaches like myself and young players, you know, that we're getting into it, you know, and uh, co- the players are complaining, you know, oh, man, you know, coach coming at me too hard, coach coming at me too hard, you know. Mm-hmm. And I always told coach, uh, players, I tell players all the time, man, listen, you know, uh, you know, I know you've heard about me and I know people tell you about me and, and I tell guys I've, I've had 10, 11 guys whose live I've touched that have gone on to uh, 
to put their name in Ken. Those guys are in the Hall of Fame. Mm. And I tell them all the time, now, if you don't want me to MF you, just don't do nothing wrong. We're going to be yeah. okay. We're going to be no okay. <laughs> just, just, just don't do nothing wrong. We're going to be okay. Right. You know, just. Yeah. Just don't do nothing wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I yeah, tell players, I tell players all the, and I tell them all the time, guys, listen, I don't have a problem trying something you know, mm-hmm. but it better work. <laughs> it better work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I just yeah. think, you know, like I said, you know, I think this whole thing started. I think this whole thing started, uh, you know, in Cleveland when I was with Braylon Edwards. Uh, Braylon was a guy we had drafted in the first round, and I coached Braylon extremely, extremely hard. But he was so yeah. talented, man. It was so – and I just hate to see kids so talented just wasting it, you know. And wow. uh, I coach, I coach Braylon so hard, man, that uh, he just, he just didn't want it, you know. He didn't want me to coach him like that, and I didn't know any mm. other way to coach. So at the end of the day, uh, he went to the GM, uh, complained about it, and the GM fired me. And at the end of the day, the GM got fired, you know. Uh-huh. And and uh-huh. you know, over a period of time, Braylon got fired. So you know, that's yeah. just kind of, just kind of how it flows. But I just think that uh, you know, organizations. Uh, you know, practices are getting softer, getting easier. Uh, mm-hmm. Time frame we spend in the softer and easier. I, I just don't think they want to be coached that hard, you know, and and, 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 and hard love is going. Coach, uh, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, another great show for the Rational Hour listeners to tune into. Um, just want to thank you for taking the time. Uh, Coach Terry Robisky, ladies and gentlemen. Right. Hey man, look, thank you, man. I, I just I'm happy I could be a part of your show. Uh I Absolutely. know the show's gonna be a blast, man. I really think it's got a chance to be a blast. Uh, I hope all your listeners are listening and then pass it on to somebody else, man, because uh you, you got a voice and uh, I had a blast doing it. I love your questions. You sound like you really care. Uh you maybe you care for the Raiders too much, but that's okay. <laughs> that's my team. That's my team. Yeah. So I'm happy, man. I'm happy to be a part of your show. And anything I can do to help you, man, don't ever hesitate to call. Yes, sir. Uh, Coach, man, appreciate it again. Rationale, we're out. Coach Terry Rubisky, ladies and gentlemen.